Hello there, welcome to Evan Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Night's Old Republic. Today we are talking about Aspire Media's mobile and tablet remaster of Star Wars Night's Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords. And we also give more of our thoughts on the Disney Investor Day announcements. So this is a spoiler alert for Night's Old Republic series and the Star Wars film and TV shows. This is where the fun begins. December 2020, like 100 years ago, Aspire Media released the mobile port of KOTOR 2 for Android and Apple devices. And the original KOTOR 2 was released February 2005, just kind of like right before Revenge of the Sith came out in theaters. We're coming up on 16 years of KOTOR 2, which is crazy for me to think about. But um, Aspire also handled the mobile port for the first KOTOR as well. One thing I thought that was cool is they have a new widescreen feature and it can even have like Retina 5K resolution support and controller support and achievements have been added, which is always kind of nice to have that support. But one thing I didn't realize and I need to correct on the Instagram page is that there actually is downloadable content for Apple users, the restored content mod is available. I previously was under the impression that there was uh, no uh, restored content, but it was sweet of Aspire to uh, include it. And what you need to run it is the Mac version or Apple version of KOTOR 2 for that to work. I've actually been enjoying the mobile version pretty well. I'm still on Paragus, but I find that the graphics are are pretty good and the combat and the navigation is is pretty easy for like a mobile game. But yeah, so I think it's a good way for a lot of people to kind of learn more about KOTOR 2 and the KOTOR series and kind of experience that universe, make it more accessible. What do you think? When they went through and they released the mobile version of KOTOR 1, they spent a lot of time just kind of touching up some of the textures and visuals and gave it kind of a remastered feel for the mobile versions. And I don't feel like this got near the attention that the first game did. I hesitate to call this a remaster, and it's definitely just a port, a PC port to the mobile version. So I'm not particularly excited about this version like if you already have KOTOR 2 and you want to take it on the go then you you now have the option but uh, as far as like the the experience of it I'd wait for it to go on sale essentially is kind of where my thoughts sit on it I don't think it's worth the $15 price tag. Cassie why don't you talk to us about our announcement. Okay so as of a couple days ago, I released on Instagram uh, the announcement that the Evan Hawk podcast is going to be on Patreon starting on January 31st. So we've had some fun creating some tiers and we have a giveaway that you can check out 
on the Instagram page, Evan Hawk Podcast. And uh, we're just trying to get the word out that we're going to be up and running on Patreon on January 31st. And we always appreciate your guys' support. So we're excited uh, for the next chapter of the Evan Hawk. Let's get in with our discussion on the Disney Investor Day announcement. So, Cassie, you've already kind of briefly shared some of your thoughts. So if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of go down the list kind of in the order that I, I kind of address these. Let's actually get started with the Rogue Squadron announcement. So I thought that uh, Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron announcement was uh, sweet. It was a a cute and emotional announcement. I learned more about her as a person and a director. I mean, recently I I have seen uh, Wonder Woman 1984. If she's going to be doing Rogue Squadron, I would say don't have her write it, but direct it and maybe maybe, uh, give her some help with the action scenes, but I think she's a good and competent director. And I could even tell when I was watching... Wonder Woman 1984 that like flight and people who fly planes like it's very near and dear to her heart because as she said in this Rogue Squadron announcement her father was a serviceman for the Air Force and he actually died in service you know so it it does mean a lot to her and she always wanted to tell a, a story about people who fly and now in this one, she gets to combine her love for Star Wars with kind of telling that story. So I think I think it'll be good. Like maybe it could, I don't know if it would be in the original trilogy or sequel trilogy. I think it should be good. Maybe it could even be connected to Rogue One. Just right off the bat, I'm just going to say that the comments that I know that I'm going to be making, I don't want to intend to like discard any of the ideas that were presented, but like a lot of my opinions are going to be pretty obvious that they're going to be pretty low expectations. But with the examples of like Solo Rogue One, when you walk in with really low expectations, you end up kind of being pleasantly surprised. And um, unlike when I walked in with really high expectations for the sequel trilogies, they did not meet at all. So, you know, if if people, you know, if you guys do disagree with us, you know, that's going to be your opinion. That's fine. I think with Rogue Squadron for me, this is probably on the list of the more anticipated of the Star Wars projects that I saw on this list. And one thing that kind of stuck out for me was that, you know, if we want to include Rogue One in in the creation of Rogue Squadron, then uh, Luke Skywalker kind of like officially kind of reboots this squadron and Empire Strikes Back. He even like references his group as Rogue Group. And, um, and then the squadron gets kind of handed over to Wedge Antilles as Luke goes off and does, you know, he pursues his his Jedi path. And so if we're looking at kind of maintaining the timeline, we're going to have to look at um, involving either Luke or Wedge in some way, unless we do a push the Rogue Squadron timeline further out, kind of as Cassie was saying, towards the kind of the, the New Republic era. And so I, I'd hope that we kind of lean towards kind of that is the backstory of Rogue Squadron and and not just kind of like discard it and say that it just came straight from Bodhi because it, it didn't. This particular title has three video games and a 10 book um, series. 
of uh of legends lore that you know hopefully somebody uh thanks uh michael a stackpole and um the other guy i can't remember the other guy's name but they kind of do a combo uh writing um strategy for this 10 book series but i i think that this from from the explanation that like patty had explained in her kind of featurette that she did it kind of gives off a a slight top gun vibe or it could be i mean it could be like a serious style top gun i don't know which i i do like that film and so i i think that this can definitely be enjoyable but i might have to kind of like take a huge sidestep on a lot of the established lore most likely uh next up let's uh um, this untitled Taiko Atiti film, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this one, mainly because it there isn't a whole lot of information available on this on the website. It's just like it just says a brand new Star Wars feature with acclaimed filmmaker and Academy Award winner Taiko Atiti. And, uh, I, you know, to be honest, I just hope it's a good thing that not a lot of info is shared. Like I, this is one of those that uh, I think Taiko Atiti does a really great job when he's kind of left on his own devices. And I hope to be pleasantly surprised by whatever he cooks up. Yeah, I did kind of wonder if it's going to include, like, the Prime Jedi or the ones on Mortis, just because the accompanying graphic, it was kind of like a Schoolhouse Rock logo of Star Wars, and then there was another one that kind of showed, like, a big silver spaceship that kind of looked like, like a big spaceship that... Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka came across in the Mortis arc, but that's just me thinking out loud. Anything so. could happen at this point, but... Mm -hmm. uh, next up is the Kenobi series, the long-anticipated and you know, drama has finally become official. A couple things that I picked up on this is that it's supposed to take place about 10 years after the dramatic events of Revenge of the Sith. It has been made public that Hayden Christensen is part of this, so we're going to see both Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. But one thing that I wanted to pick out was that, you know, Anakin Skywalker was nine years old in The Phantom Menace, and uh, we're going to potentially see a 10-year-old Luke Skywalker. And so I'm curious to see what kind of uh, parallels are drawn between the the homestead life of Luke versus kind of the, the Mos Espa city life of Anakin. I think this one, this is on my list as like the kind of the higher-end uh, anticipated films. Uh, Ian's been pretty public about being really excited working on this and so I do hope this turns out really well. What I'm very excited about is that Deborah Chow is going to be directing this series. I think she's a strong director and I really missed her direction in season two and I guess it's not the Kenobi series it's Obi-Wan Kenobi and I think some people are nervous about the canonical situation because it sounds like there's going to be a fight uh, involving Obi-Wan and Darth Vader but for me it kind of makes sense because if you listen to the dialogue in the original trilogy Darth Vader says Obi-Wan once thought as you do and in Revenge of the Sith you never really get the vibe like once Obi-Wan knows that Anakin is Darth Vader. He he never tries to turn him. So maybe you kind of have like an emotional kind of standoff and then it becomes like a fight. And I guess like Lucasfilm is just trying to 
make fans happy. And like one of the things they're fans are always talking about is the Anakin versus Obi-Wan fight. So they're like, okay, you want it? We're going to give it to you. So number one, most anticipated show on my list. So it is hard to believe that Obi-Wan would just sit on Tatooine for 20 years. I mean, there's like little bits and pieces of evidence that Obi-Wan had been involved with the rebel uprising to the empire uh, here and there, maybe not so face-to-face involved kind of with this anticipation of Hayden and Ewan McGregor, like a second kind of major lightsaber battle that could take place. But it's hard to believe that Obi-Wan would just sit on Tatooine the entire time, you know, which we we know that Yoda does at Dagobah, but I think Obi-Wan would have a little bit more that he'd end up doing just because Yoda is such a larger force signature than Obi-Wan is. Some stories in old legends had Obi-Wan kind of just like do one last mission off of the planet, but it was a mission he had to take to further protect Luke and Leia. So so I'm pretty sure they'll link it to the future of Luke and Leia or the galaxy or something like Obi-Wan's not going to leave Tatooine for a bad reason. Later down the list, we're going to see like a return of the character of Mon Mothma, but I'm curious to see a potential return of Bail Organa in one of these series. Um, he's he's kind of an interesting Star Wars political figure, and so uh, I'd be curious to see if they even get the same actor back, because he's not much older than what he's portrayed in in some of these films, and so I don't think it'd be a big deal to include him, but I don't know. I mean, some people are like, ooh, Alec Guinness looks so old compared to everyone else. But I'm like, Tatooine has two suns. Sunlight, if you get so much sun and don't take care of your skin, like, you age a whole lot faster. Don't be so harsh on Obi-Wan. He's had a hard life and he's living on Tatooine, so. Not to mention how much Owen had changed, both Owen and Beru. Tatooine, it's it's hard there. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh let's move on to the um, the Ahsoka. Is this just a standalone, or is this going to be a series to the Ahsoka thing? Um, so Ahsoka, it's linked to the timeline of I believe the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, and Rangers of the New Republic. Um, so I think it's a limited series. So I'm kind of wondering if it'll lead into another show, and this is kind of like the springboard yeah so this is one of those i don't know one of those pieces of evidence that they kind of want to do a star wars cinematic universe uh i'm not i'm not particularly interested in this one i don't think it's going to be bad but i don't i'm not really personally excited for this it's probably going to be good it's got dave floney and john favreau involved so yeah and i i do like rosario dawson as ahsoka so Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be fun to have more of her uh rangers of the new republic now this one this one sounds interesting like this is this is one of those pieces of story that can potentially help fill in some gaps of the empire to the first order it's set in the timeline of the mandalorian like something that i hope it does is like uh, you're following a team that specializes in like hunting down imperial remnant maybe like high value targets uh, maybe we we do see some of the politics that involve uh, the the creation of the first order, and then the event. You know, if the TV show goes long enough, maybe the eventual takeover of the first order. 
as like a a major player in the kind of the, in that later conflict. I think just from the details of that really so far, I think that's where this story can really shine and we'll see kind of how that plays out. Yeah, I think personally for me, like it's probably the last or or next to last on my list. Even if I'm not excited for this one, there's like all these other shows to be excited for. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll see what happens. So next up, the Lando, um, the Lando series, I I, I guess they're going to make this a TV show now. Um, just, uh, I'm just going to make this real quick. Donald Glover is cool. Lando is cool. Lando's st- story, his interesting story is short. And, uh, and I hope that this takes place after he loses the Falcon to hand. Cause I think that's where his most interesting story is. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see more of Donald Glover. Uh, maybe you could have, uh, Billy D. Williams as a narrator kind of talking about his, exploits as a younger man maybe you could use billy d as a framing reference i, um, I would love and then to have donald glover just kind of like kind of be the focal point i think having billy d williams will would be really awesome to have him involved i think i think like narration film narration is kind of a dated film um, he outline. did it in solo though you know he was talking about the calrissian chronicles in the Millennium Falcon. I, I'm thinking more of like, just kind of like a second person narration. So um, something like Art- the Artemis Fowl movie where it has this really weird narration by Mulch Diggums kind of style or uh, or like a documentary narration, which is kind of what that is. Like, I hope it's not that kind of voiceover, but to have Billy Dee Williams involved in some part of the storytelling would be cool. A lot of his achievements are kind of based off of his gambling. And so I think there's only so much of that that can be entertaining before it kind of just gets repetitive. Like when he wins the the carbon mine on Bespin. You know, that's like a big story that they could tell. I love Bespin. So uh, next up is Andor. This is another one of those that's kind of on my on my priority list. Uh, so uh, a Star Wars thriller. Um, obviously, it's going to be. Um, early rebellion days because uh, um, hopefully Cassian stays dead and not brought back to life. <laughs> More opportunity for some cool space battles, planetary skirmishes, uh, rebel versus empire conflict. So this, you know, this one has some grounds to be pretty good. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. They have Diego Luna coming back and Alan Tudyk, the voice actor of K2SO. And... I've always been excited for this one because I was like, it could be a thriller, but also a bit like Mission Impossible in space. Like the stakes are going to be high. And I think it's just going to kind of show a different side of the Rebel Alliance, you know? Um, So I'm excited for that um, because I think that Diego Luna did a great job in Rogue One and K2SO is awesome. And kind of one thing I'm, I'm expecting to see is... I rewatched Rogue One recently and I was like, oh yeah, K2SO used to be an Imperial droid and then Cassian reprogrammed him. So I think you're going to see K2SO be reprogrammed from like an Imperial droid into a rebel droid and that'll be cool. And just one prediction I have is that Felicity Jones will be in the 
final episode of this series, like she's not aware of Cassian, but Cassian's aware of her and you're going to see her featured a bit. Because I think Felicity Jones, she actually signed a three-picture deal, I think, just in case. That's you. That's a standard thing, but I'm like, I think, I think we'll see her again, you know? So then, in a way, like, you know how Rogue One leads into A New Hope? Maybe this Andor series can lead into Rogue One, and it's like, man, I'm just going to have to watch all these back-to-back. You got Andor, you got Rogue One, and then you got A New Hope. So I think that would be awesome. Yeah, and this is so. This is the other example that I thought that we could see another appearance of uh, Bail Organa. So I think this one has a ton of potential. I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, it's currently being filmed in England. So, and it sounds like a lot of people are going to be involved in it. Like a pretty big cast. I think like 200. So it will feel like a rebellion, not just like 12 people on set of like you know the volume. I mean, this could even potentially take place. You know, either shortly after or around the time that Sol Guerrera is still kind of part of the main body of the rebellion. So, yeah, you know, we, we don't know. Uh, next up is the Acolyte. This is kind of on the list of ignores on my list, but oh, really? Yeah. Um, the only I'm thing way I like... excited for the the timeline, like because this is dipping us into the older public. Most of these entries on the list are the original trilogy. So yeah. I'd say that the only positive takeaway I have of this is the just after High Republic era. The, kind of the, the summary they have on it is it's a, so a mystery thriller that will take the audience in a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. They, they kind of drop like the name Acolyte. I'm not sure. It's about people on the dark side. Usually yeah. they're called Acolytes. So... Yeah, the the main definition of acolyte though is a religious figure, <laughs> but and you know they they kind of screwed up what the force actually means, but you know not particularly interested in this one. And next up is the Bad Batch. I I didn't really like the Bad Batch arc in uh, the new Clone Wars series, and uh, you know I'm just gonna make this comment. You know we can quote Code and Bond on this one because I I definitely did make this up, but I'm um, pretty sure Kaminoans. Um, QA would throw out the defective genetic clones to maintain product integrity. So, you know, the Kaminoans pride their like product reliability and attention to details outlined in the attack of the clones. I, I don't care about this. I think George Lucas actually came up with the idea of the Bad Batch. So I'm like, oh, it's kind of like one of George Lucas's ideas kind of being realized. And I do like that it is animated in the same style as the Clone Wars. I kind of miss that animation style, and it looks like it's going to show the galaxy going from pre-Revenge of the Sith kind of to the transition towards the Empire. And I think we're going to see Commander Cody and a lot of other clone characters kind of deal with the fallout of Order 66 and the rise of the Empire, so... I think it'll be interesting to kind of see the setting of that stage. And I think it's a love letter to the Clone Wars fans and prequel fans. So I, I'm excited for that. It's like I like Cody and I like Rex, but the, you know, I just think that, you know, if, if you have like 1% of defective clones in a batch of a million, it's, you know, for, for the pride of the Kaminoans, they would just toss them and, uh, so they don't ship defective product to the Republic, but 
That's uh again my I opinion. Mean, yeah. I think like with the bad batch though it's like they're different from the other clones but they also kind of have heightened abilities that make them useful. So I think it makes sense. So Star Wars Visions it's going to be there's not a whole lot of information on it right now but it's going to be like different animation studios kind of in the anime style being inspired by the Star Wars universe. So I'm kind of, I kind of wonder if it's going to be like them reimagining some scenes like in the Star Wars movies or if they're kind of telling new stories, but it's going to be in the anime style. So I think it'll be cool from an art perspective and kind of like definitely kind of continuing like George Lucas's like love of like all things like Eastern and kind of like looking for new life like in Star Wars and kind of reinterpreting things. Uh, It's probably going to be like Star Wars for the younger generation, which is fine. If it's good or whatever, yeah, it's probably not going to be for me. Same with uh, a droid story. So we're going to be introduced to a new droid um, that's accompanying R2-D2 and C-3PO. If this isn't aimed at younger audiences, I'm not quite sure how interesting this is going to be. Yeah, I think it's for a younger generation, but it is going to be ILM, I think, doing the animation. So ILM is like one of the best animators, like effects workers in the industry. So yeah, it's kind of not at the top of my list, but I think a lot of kids will like it. So and this is just kind of like what they're announcing right now. I mean, of course, with the end of the second season of The Mandalorian, of course, the Book of Boba Fett was announced. That's kind of not really high on my list. I'm not really a Boba Fett person, but that'll be coming out, and I'm sure there's like more shows going to be announced in the future too, so... I think there's a lot to look forward to. And even if you're not excited for some things on this list, there's like 75 other shows to be excited about. So. Right. Yeah, the, the Book of Boba Fett announcement was interesting, but like, I think the story that's interesting about Boba Fett comes from the novel Tale of the Bounty Hunter. So maybe Disney takes some notes or something. I want him to have eyebrows. Like, that's all I want. So Yeah. That, that yeah. stomach acid really, really took a toll on him. Maybe he can get robotic eyebrows to express emotion or something, you know, but who knows? Anyway, so they did announce some, like, non-Star Wars LucasArts projects. Uh, the uh, the one that I'm just going to name off real quick is the Indiana Jones announcement. Uh, the only thing that... Uh, I've got two things about this one. One, I hope that it doesn't make the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull look good, kind of like the sequel Star Wars trilogies made the prequels look good. And uh, I hope John Williams' score nails it because he normally always does. So I hope, you know, I hope he uh, brings out a really good score again. You can find us on Instagram at Ebonhawk Podcast, and the Ebonhawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out immensely. And then um, you can find me on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter just by searching for Conan Bond. Uh, Twitch is where you want to talk to me live, and I normally tweet out when I go live there. 
Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shorman. He can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash alistairsounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker, and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. And this has been the Ebonhawk Podcast. May the force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now.